Hey, Shoujo fans, welcome to episode 11 of Shoujo Sunday. This week, we'll be discussing a silent voice, aka Ko no Katachi. Let's dig in. So, there's some things we have to touch on before we get into a soft-serve summary. So, to begin with, A Silent Voice is a 2016 drama film produced by the beloved Kyoto Animation. It was directed by Naoko Yamada and written by Reiko Yoshida. And it is based on the manga of the same name, created by mangaka Yoshitoki Oima. Before we get into our soft serve summary, we'd like to issue a few content warnings. A Silent Voice touches on triggering topics like suicide, bullying, narcissism, and death of a family member. If those topics are too heavy for you to handle at this time, you can always skip this episode. Shoujo Sunday wants you to put your mental well-being first. We also plan on adding the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline credentials in our show notes for anyone that needs it. Please know that even if you feel alone, you are not alone. For our next disclaimer, which is on the more lighthearted side, Gianna and I know that a silent voice is a shonen. Uh, yes. <laughs> however, <laughs> oops, <laughs> oops. But however, this film is shoujo adjacent enough that we decided to review it anyway. If you would like more context on certain properties being shoujo adjacent, please visit the Frequently Asked Question page on our website, www.shoujosunday.com. Now, here's our soft serve summary. And it's a doozy, you guys. Okay, I'm just warning you. While on the verge of taking his life, Shoya Ishida, a depressed high school student, stops himself in order to make amends for his past misdeeds in order to receive absolution. We learn that in the sixth grade, Shoya bullied Shoko Nishimiya, who is a girl that we learn is deaf. The principal of their school, well, actually, really the homeroom teacher of Shoya and Shoko's class, singles out Shoya for bullying Shoko, and he in turn becomes bullied himself. His friends turn on him, and upset by the upheaval caused by his own actions, he physically fights Shoko. After this altercation, Shoko transfers to a new school, and Shoya ends up holding onto her notebook. Because the school turns on Shoya for his treatment of Shoko in middle school and being known as an overall bully, Shoya is isolated in high school. He's unable to look into people's eyes and imagines X's across people's faces. This leads us out of the past and now in the present moment of the film. Shoya wants to essentially wrap up loose ends before making a permanent solution to a temporary problem. 
he learns where the sign language center is and he decides to go there to return Shoko's notebook to her, apologize for his overall treatment of her, and hopefully make amends while doing so. However, he panics when he sees her and accidentally asks if they could be friends instead. Surprisingly, she agrees. Due to Shoko's generosity, Shoya then plans to reintroduce Shoko to their past classmates so that she can have more friends. In the meantime, he also befriends Tomohiro Nagatsuka after he saved him from being bullied. One day, Shoya accidentally drops Shoko's notebook in the river and he panics. Shoko jumps in the river to go save it. And he also jumps into the river to essentially save her and the notebook at the same time. But this is against school rules. In order to avenge Shoko from being bullied by Shoya in the past, her sister Yuzuru takes a photo of Shoya jumping into the river and posts it online, which results in Shoya getting suspended from school. Because Shoko is upset by Yuzuru's action, Yuzuru ends up running away from home, and Shoya finds her in the playground. He convinces her to come to his place instead of being off on her own. And when she leaves late at night, he follows to make sure that she's okay and they end up becoming friends. This also helps to deepen the bond between Shoya and Shoko, who he is still trying to make amends with. He later introduces Shoko to, well, reintroduces Shoko to Miyoko Sahara, who actually liked Shoko back in that elementary middle school period. Because of Shoya's earnest efforts to make amends, Shoko falls for him and she decides to confess her feelings and it's important for her that she says the words despite being deaf. Unfortunately, Shoya mishears Shoko's confession since she did not sign it. Later, Shoya invites Shoko to an amusement park with Nagatsuka, Sahara, Kawaii from um, Shoya's class and also from that elementary school, middle school place. Mashiba, who is Kawaii's friend, possibly boyfriend. Unfortunately, they are also joined by Naoka Uenu, who used to bully Shoko alongside Shoya in the past. Naoka is infatuated with Shoya and she's angry that he is paying attention to Shoko. And coincidentally, Yuzuru ends up recording Naoka being hateful towards Shoko in the Ferris wheel and shows the recording to Shoya. And I guess the next day at school, Shoya confronts Kawaii about talking to Mashiba about what happened at that elementary school and Kawaii is upset about it and she wants to remain blameless for her part in sort of being a bystander to Shoko's bullying. So she exposes Shoya's past to all the students in the class who were oblivious to it. Later, she attempts to apologize to Shoko and a number of people actually show up. So Sahara shows up, Naoka, Mashiba, uh, Yuzuru, Shoko, they're all on the bridge and they're attempting to talk this out. But Shoya blows everyone off and actually says a couple of hurtful things that get them to walk away from him. During this time, 
Shoko and Yuzuru's grandmother passes away and Shoya takes them to the countryside to try to cheer them up. And we learn then that Shoko has been blaming herself for how Shoya is being treated. Shoya is still doing his best to try to make amends with her and endeavors to spend all of his time with Shoko and Yuzuru since his friendship with the others is kind of tentative at this point. But he doesn't realize the level of guilt that Shoko feels for how his life turned out. So while attending a fireworks festival, Shoko bows out to study and Shoya ends up following her because Yuzuru wants her camera for the fireworks festival. And he sees Shoko attempting to take her life by jumping So he's able to stop her and save her, but in the process, he falls himself and lands in the river that's below. He is saved by his friends, but remains in a coma for some time. And Shoko feels even more guilt and uses the time period of Shoya being in a coma to go to all of their friends and to explain the situation to them so that he wouldn't be by himself anymore either. Shoko later has a nightmare of sort of receiving a farewell visit from Shoya and she wakes up hysterical and runs to the bridge where they usually meet up at crying at the thought of losing him and at the thought of her attempts possibly taking his life away. But coincidentally, Shoya wakes up from his coma confused, but he also goes to the bridge where they usually meet up at. And he uses that time when they reunite to apologize for his past misdeeds and to let her know about how he could also relate to her, given that he had had suicidal ideation as well and a past attempt. And he decided against taking his life and he asked Shoko to help him live and for them to be friends. And she accepts. When Shoya returns to school, he is reunited with his friends and comes to understand how much they still care for him. The friends go to their school festival together and Shoya manages to look people in the eye again. Because of the fact that he was bullied, he sort of gains this social anxiety where he couldn't look at people and he would imagine X's over their faces. But now that he was able to look people in the eye again, the X's that he saw on people's faces fell away and he saw his loved ones and felt redeemed. And that is a silent voice. Huh. What a film. Ooh, the emotions, y'all. I was trying, okay? Like, right. <laughs> when I was reading oh. over the summary, I was just like, ooh, let's not get caught up. Not yet. But yeah, a great film. So many emotions. We're going to try to get through this. Right. I mean, speaking of all the emotions, this film prompted us to make an entire new segment. Yes. On parts of the movie or the story that made us cry. So we have Rocky Road at Shoujo Sunday now. Yes. So we'll be serving up scoops later. So if y'all feel like crying, eat some Rocky Road with us. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so moving into Sprinkles on Top. Gianna, do you want to start? Sure. Do we have themes as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, but it's okay. I feel like I sort of merged them together. That's fine. I had two ideas for the movie theme. 
One was a quote from Kawhi that made me cry. It was, everyone suffers in their life, but it's like that for everyone, right? You have to love the bad parts of yourself too and move forward. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I also had, when we can't find the strength to keep going, the people closest to us in our life can lend us their strength to fight until we can do so on our own again. Yeah, that's just absolutely perfect. Oh, thank you. I'm feeling all of the emotions right now. It's going to be hard to get through it, guys, but we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Yeah. (laughs) I'll also be honest, you guys, a lot of my notes are very reactionary. So I'm going to do my best to get through these different points. But yeah, I agree with those themes. I feel like my sprinkles on top are more sprinkles on top than an actual theme. That's okay. But I think what you had is like spot on. Oh, thank you. So for sprinkles on top, I had the X. Like I said earlier, Shoya, I think just due to his social anxiety, he visualizes exes being on people's faces and he tends to not look anyone in the eyes, really, which it was actually really cool to see that interpretation of social anxiety. Yeah. But anyway, so I had said that X marks the spot. And you kind of see these exes like throughout when he's talking with people that aren't close to him. You'll see the exes on people's faces. I feel like at the very beginning of the film, because he was preparing to like take his life, you see him getting his affairs in order. So he was putting exes on like the calendar. And I feel that once he was able to like see people for who they are and like build that bond with his friends, then the exes were gone, which I hope I'm really explaining this correctly. Right. I think the exes were a beautiful and such a strong visual aid to the film to just represent to us watching how Shoya can't step out of the house without feeling like a villain and without feeling like alone, like he doesn't belong and he can't look at anybody. Yeah. The first time I watched this movie, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because there have been times and you know, we, we all have our own struggles and stuff. But there have been times where I've been in a room and I felt like I was surrounded by exes. I think I paused the movie and had to take it in because it just, it hit me so hard. Yeah, and it's like, I could relate to it because I have social anxiety myself. We'll just make this a confession time because obviously all this has been like hitting. I know it's hit Gianna hard. It's hit me hard. I have had attempts in the past and dealt with suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, and social anxiety. And so I felt very connected to that visual aid of the exes because I could relate to what Shoya was feeling. You're just sort of alone and like you don't have anybody like close to you. And so it's as if you're an other and everyone else is a part of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This film has done so much in helping me feel as if I'd be able to explain what certain things feel like to other people. When you're trying to discuss your depression and things of that matter to people who don't have it or don't experience it on the same level as you do, you feel very alienated and it's hard to really get them to grasp the gravity of all the stuff that you're feeling. And so I think that that visual aid helps so much in like 
sort of centering my own feelings about my social anxiety and what I feel like when I feel as if I'm the villain or no one understands me or or no one sees me like it's like that. Yeah, it was just so beautifully done. I'm really glad that that was the choice they made to make it visual and really literally, I guess, put it in our faces. Yeah. Another sprinkle on top that I had was the fireworks. So at the beginning of the film, before Shoya is going to like jump to take his life, he snaps out of it because he hears fireworks. I forgot that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like he hears fireworks and he sees like a group of people and like it sort of snaps him out of it. Mm-hmm. And then he like gets down and goes back home. And then the film brings the fireworks back again, except it's like when we saw it with Shoya, he was snapping out of it. And then Shoko was sort of snapping into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. Sorry. It's just like I didn't, I missed that. So I'm just like really taken aback by that connection there. Yeah. When I noted it, I was just like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but Shoko snapped into it in that she decided to take her own life. And I mean, thankfully, Shoya was able to save her and stuff. But I sort of like how the film wove that in. It was sort of foreshadowing, but not really. Yeah. 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 On the subject of foreshadowing that moment, one of my sprinkles on top is that when they're on the bridge for the first time where they feed the carp Mm -hmm. and Shoko's book falls into the water, she scoots herself over the edge to jump into the water and Shoya reaches out to stop her, but then swiftly follows after her. And I feel like that's like very subtle foreshadowing for the climax of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Like he'll do anything to save her. Yeah, I feel like all I'm going to say over and over again was that this film is so beautiful and I'm going to try to stop myself, but everything was just done so amazingly. It's great. I feel like I'm going to need a little bit of time to rewatch, but I will eventually rewatch it again. Yeah, it's a hard hitter. The first time I watched this movie, it was pretty much all I could think about for the following two full days. It's just, it's that heavy. Yeah, it just stays with you. Mm -hmm. Something else, or at least another thing that I had in Sprinkles on top that I saw while sort of researching a silent voice was the meaning of koi fish or carp. So supposedly koi fish are a sign of good luck. Oh. Yeah. And so there are different moments within the film where you'll see that Shoya is happy about something or Shoko is trying something. And then we'll get this quick scene of koi fish moving. And so I feel like anytime when Shoya or Shoko were feeling hopeful about something, we always saw the koi fish. So I really like that they added that in. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. That's really neat. And they were feeding them together. Even that could be like a deeper thing of like them coming together to become friends, possibly be more than friends. Yeah. They're literally putting fuel into their like fortune together. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're earnestly wishing for that luck together by doing this. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was really great that they had that. Yeah. Do you have another sprinkles on top? I have one last sprinkle. Okay, same. So at their grandmother's funeral, Yuzuru and Shoko are standing in like this beautiful area. I think there was a, a pond or a fountain there. And this little white butterfly flies between them and around them. And I just think this is a sign from their grandmother saying like a formal goodbye to them that day, which it just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. I don't know. I wonder if I was probably emotional at the time. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. You could have been like wiping your eyes. Yeah, you like, yeah. Yeah. My last sprinkle on top was actually when they were at the theme park. Okay. They were on the roller coaster. So Shoya was by Sahara and Sahara was talking about how she was always scared of roller coasters, but she never been on on one before. And so she wanted to at least try it out before ruling it out. I felt that, and I'm not doing that quote justice, you guys, but in saying that, I felt that there was also an illusion towards life, right? That things can get scary, that things can get hard, but you never know unless like you try. And in this context, you'll never know unless you keep going as well. Right. The path ahead, it could be dangerous. It could be scary. But don't you want to see what's on the other side of it? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Sprinkles on Top. So now we are going to get into Floats Your Boat which is us talking about what we liked. Okay, so at the start, I tried to write about the songs. I didn't talk about the score, but just the songs that were associated with a silent voice. So one of them is actually in my banana split, though, because I didn't really know how to feel about it. Okay. But the one that is straight up in Floats Your Boat is tentatively the theme song. It's called Koi Wo Shita No Wa by Aiko, um, which directly translated is is, oh, I did fall in love. Oh. And I'll be honest, I feel like this song was probably played in the end credits and Netflix is like, we're not playing the end credits. <laughs> Why would we ever? So like I had listened to the song separately and I felt that it really encapsulated Shoko and Shoya's relationship with one another and that they do end up falling for each other. Although I feel like you see it more from Shoko's side than from Shoya. I think Shoya was more, not to say that he doesn't like her and possibly like her in that way. I feel like he does. It's just that he didn't even think he was worthy of like having a nice time, like with his friends at the theme park, you know? Yeah. I feel like with him and maybe like I haven't read the manga either, so I couldn't tell you like if they explored it more in the manga. But I feel like once he's more used to it, like post the end of the movie, once he's more used to being around around people and he's not as anxious anymore that he'll get the courage to admit to himself that he like likes her and try to do something about it. 1000% I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think another part of Floats Your Boat that I wanted to touch on. Now, I didn't watch the dub of A Silent Voice. I prefer subs, to be honest. I also watched it subbed. I learned that in the English dub, they actually had a deaf actress, Lexi Cowden, voice Shoko. Oh. And I thought that that was a really nice touch that they gave Lexi the opportunity to like voice this part. 
part. I'd love to actually go back and see like their past interviews to see like what the voice actors had to say about the film and to see if like Lexi said anything about being Shoko. But I always think that it's great that they're trying to diversify the actors and actresses that are taking on these roles. Not that people can't act in a certain way or act as if they are deaf, but I think being true to someone's lived experience, I really like the fact that the film honored that in the dub. Although I haven't watched the dub. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Maybe, uh, excuse me, I still like fighting my allergies a little bit. I think maybe on my next rewatch, I will watch the English dub so that I can see how she did and what that's like, because that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So do you have, because I know I like started off with that. Uh, do you have, well, I know you have floats your boat. So like, what are some of your floats your boat? So my most general floats your boat would just be the art style in this film is absolutely gorgeous. Even just like the way the fish yeah. were drawn in particular in the water is just so stunning and the bright color palette jumps out at you. I loved everything about the art style in this. Yeah, it was just perfect. And maybe this is because of the fact that we're like coming clean off of like Maid-sama, which we love Maid-sama, but sometimes the animation like wasn't all the way what it could be. Yeah. And then this is like a hundred leagues apart from that. It's just like, wow, you know, like you're looking at the fish, you can see the koi fish, their body types, you can see the different types of people. Actually, that's also something I wanted to sort of touch on, although I think I'll also get back to it, was the fact that we see Black people Mm -hmm. in A Silent Voice. So I was appreciative of that, although Pedro's face, I don't know. You don't know. And it's not that it's bad. It's not like a character caricature oh my god caricature um so it's not like excessively like dark skin overblown super pink lips it's not like that it was different from everyone else but maybe they were just trying to stay true to the fact that you know like Pedro is around Japanese people so they are going to look different Mm -hmm. I don't think that we're that different but I still thought it was nice to just see Pedro although I didn't really fully understand that relationship until like the end of the movie yeah they aren't like super duper clear about it. I think they like offhandedly mention that he's married to the sister, but we also don't see the sister. I, they, I think they just wanted to hone in so much on the main characters that they just fell by the wayside. Right, right. So the thing about it is that when I was watching the film, and I guess this could sort of go into ice cream, you scream, only a little bit, guys. I'm going to get back to Floats Your Boat. But when Shoya is actually explaining to Yuzuru who Maria is, in the translation, they say say that's his sister, but it's actually his niece. I think he said she's my sister's. Maybe there was a typo. Maybe. The way that I read it, I thought he said that Maria was his sister, so I thought Pedro was like his stepdad. Oh. Until the end of the movie. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure he says she's my sister's. Apostrophe S. That might have been that might have been me. Okay. Because like to be honest, they really could have just been like that's my niece and I would have gotten it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I did like seeing like diversity within a silent voice. Mm -hmm. And going into the actual film, when we first meet Shoko in Shoya's memories, she is adorable. She has her notebook prepared with her introduction and she's calmly like moving the pages and saying that she wants to talk to everyone. And I'm just like the auntie's heart in me because like, I don't know if motherhood's for me, y'all. And like, 
we don't even have to go into all of that. But still, <laughs> the auntie in me, oh, my heart grew like eight sizes. I was just like, oh, she's so adorable. Oh, yeah, just a protect at all costs moment, which makes it even sadder what happens. But right. yeah, the minute I saw her, I knew she was precious. She was so precious, so cute. So I feel that the movie accomplishes the setup perfectly without having to explicitly say what's going on. There's no exposition or voiceover explaining that this person is preparing to end his life. The calendar ticking off the days and the huge tasks being completed successfully portrays that he is giving everything up so that he won't leave a trace behind. And it's such a powerful opening to show where our main character's mental health is. And it makes us as a viewer wonder, where could it go from here if he's reached this point of hopelessness? And just as we wonder how this boy could possibly get to this point, my generation kicks on and we're five years in the past. I just, it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And you know, speaking of my generation, that was actually part of my banana split. Really? Yeah. It's like, I liked it, but then I also did know how to feel about it because when you hear my generation and western like shows and films I feel like because of the melody it's used in more light-hearted ways and so at first when I heard it and then I like saw what ended up happening I was just like how does this even go together but then I looked back at the lyrics and I was just like oh okay now that's when I really got it because like part of the lyrics is talking about how Oh, like, I hope I die before I get old. Right, right, right. Like, stuff like that. They're alluding to that a lot. It just has an upbeat melody to it. Yeah. I just thought it was such a cool song choice. It caught me so off guard to hear an English band in a Japanese film. It was just so cool to me. That's what I wrote, too. I did not expect to hear that at all. It was a pleasant surprise. So it's like, I just couldn't entirely put it in Floats Your Boat because of my initial reaction to it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, what is that? That doesn't even make sense. And I was like, oh, I got it. But as we fade to that flashback, I just love the detail, the subtle detail of the tag sticking out of Shoya's shirt. I thought that was so cute. Yeah. And you know, that's just, that's just him. Yeah. You see it throughout the whole film. Mm -hmm. It's always like that. And you know what? Honestly, that could also be a sprinkle on top too. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because like since his tag is always sticking out, he sticks out. Oh, oh. Like he's not <laughs> like everyone else. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what a babe. Oh, show ya. Goodness. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, no, not right now. Not right now at all. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Eventually. Yeah. But yeah, I also thought that the teacher who tried to do her best to make Shoko feel more a part of the school and her class by saying that they were going to learn a little bit of sign language every day. I loved her. I wanted her to be Shoko's homeroom teacher. I wanted her to move into that woman's class. Yeah, I absolutely loved that. Like, what a great way to incorporate. First off, sign language is a skill. Yeah. So it's good that they, they should have already been spending three minutes at the morning to learn a little bit of sign language. But also, it just makes Shoko feel more like she belongs here and then people can communicate better with her. Um, I do have a part of that in my banana split, but I'll wait to talk about it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I also love the time that Sahara was around during that elementary school, middle school. I say elementary school, middle school, you guys, because it's sixth grade. So in the U.S., they would be in middle school, but... In Japan, they're still in elementary school. So it's sort of like both. So that's why I keep saying it like that. But while we had Sahara during that time, I thought, and I'll take this from you, Gianna, because this is your words. I thought she was the sweetest cinnamon roll (laughs) that there ever was. Yes. That she was trying to make an effort to talk to her. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I just loved her and I was sad when she was gone. I didn't really get why until also later on in the film, like why? Like I just figured, I mean, at the time when I was watching it, I just thought, oh, like maybe she had to just move away or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I also felt sad when she left because I was just like, this is her siren song. Like this is going to be her girl. Like if she had said like Shoko would have had a much better time for sure you know yeah I will say with Sahara leaving I know Shoya writes that really mean message on the chalkboard I just want to make a nice comment about the animation here the detail of the chalk dust falling as he writes the last bit on the board was beautiful. Just a beautiful little added detail. I'm going to say beautiful a lot this episode. I'm so sorry in advance. It's fine. I say beautiful all the time. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I I do like the touches. This film, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen it or you don't care about spoilers, you have to watch it. You do. It's just the story aside, the animation alone is so good. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that, I mean, this was done in like 2016 and it's so good even now so you have to watch it pause this watch it come back and listen to the rest (laughs) right and then rate us five stars yes and follow us (laughs) at shoujo sunday across social media (laughs) yeah okay so i guess sort of touching on like people turning against Shoya. This was kind of messed up of me, but I was upset. So I put the fact that he got turned on as part of my floater boat because I was so upset with how he was treating her. I have that in my banana split. So I will say he wasn't on my good side yet. Right. I just, ooh, because I'm telling you my auntie's heart. I was just like, see, this is why I really couldn't have kids because I'd fight behind mine. Like you, anyway. Oh, wait, it's in my hot fudge. I'm sorry. I just scrolled down to find it. (laughs) But I was okay with him turning on him because he was so mean to her. And I was just like, you know what? You low-key deserve it. So, Oh, some of it he did, for sure. I was here for it. Not the bullying, but them like telling on him. Oh, yeah. That specifically was the floats your boat for me. All the other stuff, not really. When Shoya's mom goes to repay Shoko's mother for the hearing aids that Shoya ripped out and threw out the window. Oh, I hate it. But when she goes to do that and Shoya kind of wanders off and he sees Shoko feeding the pigeons, I think that having him stumble and startle all the pigeons and they fly away to sort of get her to turn her head and notice him was a really clever way to accomplish that. Yeah. I mean, she might not be able to hear, but then the pigeons can. Yeah. And then she's like, why are they flying away? What's here? What startled them? And then it's Shoya standing there before her. Right. I just, they really put their filmmaker Ussi into this. <laughs> oh my God. They really, I never, I'm not even going to finish that. I'm not going to finish the statement. 
<laughs> but yeah, they really, they like, they put their whole foot into it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I like that since panning now into the present moment and we see or we hear Maria for the first time, she's calling Shoya. I like how he sort of comes into being or like he's waking up and like the way that they like show the sound in that moment, it felt as if he was coming out of Shoko's point of view while waking up the way that they manipulated the sound in that scene. I really liked that. Yeah, it was a really great transition of consciousness. I guess we'll just note here, like Maria is permanently in floats your boat. She is oh, yes. adorable. I love her. Oh my God. She's my niece now. She's, yes, she's also my niece. <laughs> okay, we are us. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's just so adorable and calling him down and everything. And then they're like eating that is getting into Rocky Road where it floats your boat. So, oh yeah, that's for sure Rocky Road for me. We'll get there. So I guess moving from breakfast and then just Shoya going to school and stuff, I thought, and that's, this was our first iteration of seeing the exes. So I thought that that was very interesting. I already noted what it meant to me mm-hmm. as somebody dealing with social anxiety. Another thing that I liked was seeing Shoya sort of second guess himself in how he was going to make amends with Shoko. And he's sitting with Nagasuka, although not really. Like, they're just in the same place and eating alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, he looks at him, but then he's awkward and looks away. And even though they weren't friends at that moment, like, I think it's a good testament to be able to eat with somebody. Like, you don't have to fill in the space. You don't even have to talk to people, but you can have that sort of camaraderie that you're in the same place at the same time. You're looking at the same things. So even though they weren't technically talking to one another, like, and Shoya is second guessing himself and asking himself questions. He's saying it in a way in his mind as if he would think he was talking to Nagasuka already. Did you think that too? I like that take on it because I didn't really think of it that way. I just thought that they happened to be sharing the same space. I found it interesting that he took the time to acknowledge him and try to think about, hmm, I've seen that head before. I'm sitting next to someone I recognize, but I can't quite put my finger on it. But I like that you put it that way because then it's like they bonded before they actually started bonding. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I'm looking like far too deep into it, but even the way he was saying things in his own mind, which I mean, I get it. Like I talk to myself at times too. That's not an indication that you are, that you're mentally unwell. Sometimes it's just when you're talking to yourself, you're sort of just getting your thoughts together or you're getting your points together. Oh, yeah. And figuring out like what you're going to say or how you're going to do things. So it's like Shoya was talking to himself. It's just the way that he did it and the way it sounded. You would think he was talking to Nagasuka. But yeah, do you have floats your boat? Because I think my next one's actually touching on when they're actually friends and then Nagasuka said something profound. So I have one floats your boat point before the part you're talking about. When Shoya finally gets to return Shoko's communication book to her, she's shocked to find out that he's learned sign language. Oh, yeah. She signs to 
him, why do you know sign language? And instead of giving her some long-winded or like self-centered answer, like, oh, I learned it just so I could have this conversation with you or to atone for bullying you or something, he just simply says, because I learned it. And I really so appreciate the simplicity of that answer without making it about him. Right. I also really love that as well. And just you saw how touched she was and she was sort of hiding behind the notebook at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that scene too. The simplicity of his reply was really what caught me because he could have gone into this whole thing about how he's sorry, blah, blah, blah. But he just said, because I learned it and it was so effective. Yeah. And I think that it's really a proponent of his character altogether. Like once he's decided to start redeeming himself, you just see that he just has no qualms about him. Yeah. He is honest. He tries to say what he's feeling and to be supportive. And I really love that about Shoya. Yeah, me too. Once he changes. And he's just like that throughout the rest of the film. Minus the point where he like sort of bites back at people on the bridge. But he is like that the entire time. It's really amazing to see. I guess touching on Nagasuka's friendship with him. So while he's figuring things out with Shoko, um, he sees uh, Nagasuka getting bullied because this guy wanted to just take his bike. And Nagasuka doesn't want it. He didn't even know that kid. So it's like, no, I don't want to give you my bike. And so then he starts calling for help. And something else that I liked about this scene was the fact that they show Shoya debating on what to do and how to react. Yes. This is actually in my rocky road because I welled up. (laughs) Right. I think I also had it there. I feel like all of my notes are discombobulated, guys. My stuff is somewhere. I think it was in my Rocky Road as well. But regardless, so seeing him, like seeing that point, like so many people like do that, you know, even in like my own life experience, the times where I felt the need to defend somebody, I will question myself. And, you know, people do that. Like, should I say something? Should I be quiet? What should I say? How should I go about doing it? And given the fact that he did used to be a bully, I wondered how he was going to resolve the situation like I was like okay is it gonna get physical but it doesn't he just gives that kid his bike instead and I mean it was stolen he just rolled with the punches because he was just so determined to help Shoko yeah and so then you see Nagasuka found his bike and since um Shoya had his address on it he was like going to his address and then that's how they became like fast friends yeah I feel like in that moment like you know I've heard this all of my life, especially when I was like growing up and like having difficulty like making friends. I still have difficulty now and I'm like pushing 30. But same. <laughs> if you just have that one person, life is so much easier. Yes. Yes, yes. It's like you can be happier about things. You aren't entirely by yourself. You have somebody who will like hear you out and listen to you. And that's something I really love about Nagasuka's character. Once he had a friend, he gave his whole heart to that process. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't second guessing him at all. Even during the time when Shoya like is confronting people and being hurtful about people and he was leaving, he still was just like, you know, like it's okay. Yeah. He's an awesome friend, an awesome wingman. But so anyway, 
anyways, they decide to become friends. They go to the movie theater. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I chime in? I figure instead of just revisiting it in my rocky road, I'll just talk about that moment with the bike really quick since we were there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he brings the bike back. And in this moment, we watch the X fall off of his face. Yes. Meaning that Shoya has gained somebody. He has earned somebody in his life. And it's such a poignant moment to see the ex peel back and reveal the face of a friend. I absolutely welled up. Like, it's so huge for Shoya. He didn't want to be alive a few days ago. And now someone sought him out with a smile to return his bike to him and wants to continue to spend time with him. It's just such a huge thing for for Shoya and for the story. And I just, I feel a lot of feelings. (laughs) Right. And it's just like, to that point, like, I think with the exception of Shoko, the only people who didn't have exes were his mom and Maria. Mm -hmm. And so to just, to see the process of it falling off, it was really a poignant moment. I feel bad. I should have added that in. (laughs) Oh, no, it's okay. In my notes too. But yeah, it was, it was so great to like see that. And then they just started doing all of these things together. Mm -hmm. It was great. Nakasuka is such a good friend. I love him so much. Yes. And his green afro. Oh, it's (laughs) precious. (laughs) Yeah. So they end up going to to the movies with one another and then they're at the food court talking and you know Shoya is just I guess he's just reeling like you said one moment he was actively considering dying and then now he had a best friend yeah and so he asked Nagasuku like what does it mean to be a friend which was a really impactful statement because I feel that it just touched on the fact that his past friends weren't really friends and he got that based off of how he was with Nagasuka because even though he was sort of friends with Shimada And I don't remember the other boy. I don't think he ever came back, actually. No, I don't remember him either. But they turned on him very quickly. And I guess he just realized because of how fickle that relationship was, that that wasn't really what friendship should be. And so I thought it was great that he decided to ask Nagasuka, like, what being a friend, like, what is that? What are the qualifications for that? Because for him to even ask that, it's just going back to his feelings of like, being unworthy, basically asking him that to figure out like, what are the qualifications so that I could rule myself out? Like, maybe I don't deserve this friendship. Oh, see, I also think that he wants to check his intentions. Oh. Because he says very soon after this that he took two weeks to consider what friendship really meant before returning to Shoko to talk to her about friendship again. Like, I feel like he's just also on top I mean, what you're saying also could be very valid and it sounds like it could be. But I think he's also checking his intentions to make sure that he's talking to her for the right reasons because he wants to only treat her with the utmost respect now. Yeah. And you know, you see that a lot throughout the film where he'll ask certain questions because he wants to check himself in his relationship with Shoko. Yeah. So I think that could also be attributed to this scene as well in understanding what friendships is. But I still think that it applies that he's wondering if he's worthy of it because oh yeah, I think even, or at least when it comes to Shoko, it's an even more drastic given like their history. Yeah. Like, is he even qualified for it? And Nagasuka says, 
says that, you know, friendship lies beyond words like tragic. Um, I think I started crying at that point. So that's where the quote stops. <laughs> yeah, I wrote the quote, if it helps. He's also in the scene pretending to use a French fry as a cigarette and it's fucking adorable. Like, I can't take him. I love it so much. Yes. He says, friendship lies somewhere beyond words and logic. You don't need such things as qualifications. Yeah, see, I put tragic in there because, bro, I was tragic. I was oh. Okay, but <laughs> it was like the most profound thing. Yeah. Like, that's a tattoo. Oh, my God. If I wanted to get that, you know. Right. Um, maybe when I have more friends, I'll do it. <laughs> But um, I thought it was like the most like profound, like beautiful thing. And it made it made Shoya feel that much more comfortable. Yeah. And from that point on, like he sort of learns or Nakasuka sort of learns that he's trying to become friends with Shoko. And he ends up supporting Shoya. So like Shoya would go to the school and he one, he remembered that, you know, in the flashback that Shoko was feeding pigeons bread and so he was like oh like you know I can buy bread he found like this ad on the street it was very sweet seeing you guys like mm-hmm. he was in front of this older lady once he eventually caught it but an advertisement for sweet bread and he's like I remember that she liked this sort of thing so he buys like this loaf of bread goes to the sign language center and is confronted by Yuzuru this is before we know that Yuzuru is Shoko's little sister so he just assumes that Yuzuru is um, Shoko's boyfriend friend yeah she tells him that (laughs) it's so it's so cute yeah what I loved about it was that Shoya perseveres and even though Yuzuru like says no and like shuts the door like Shoya keeps coming back and so at the point where Nagasuka and him are like great friends Nagasuka ends up following him (laughs) to the sign language center and so Yuzuru is like trying to like close him off and then uh, Nagasuka's just like no like you're not gonna do that and so they almost get into a scuffle. Right. <laughs> he's just like, assumes that Yuzuru is a boy. And so it's like grabbing Yuzuru by her collar. She's like, no, like, it's not like, you're gonna get out of the way and stuff. And there's all of this commotion. And then Shoya is like embarrassed and is trying to get Nagasuka to stop. <laughs> and then he notices Shoko noticing him and he becomes even more embarrassed and he runs away. Yeah, he nopes right out. He's just like, I'm yeeting myself out of the situation <laughs> yes. ASAP. <laughs> but she follows him, which was nice. And I think you just get to see like, I mean, in general, Shoko is like the most amazing girl. But you just see how kind-hearted she is and that she's willing to talk to him and like forgive him and like hear where he's coming from especially since he's going through all of these like efforts to make amends and to build a connection with her and as because she's lonely instead of just rejecting him outright from their like turbulent past like she's open to it um which user was trying to stop and so that was also funny just seeing them be sort of side characters yeah and watching them watching Shoya and Shoko have this sign their conversation which it was just really sweet to see and then we have that scene where the notebook falls into the river and then she like goes in and he almost stops her and then just goes in himself to go like help her Mm -hmm. because you know I've I've never thought about this before about like is swimming scary for deaf people? Um I don't know I know my mom is actually deaf in one ear and I know she can't get water into it but I don't know if that's like a her specific thing Um. or 
water, if that's like an all-around like deaf people should not get water in their ear kind of thing. Right, right. Because like the thing about it is that when she fell in, I like was thinking about what it would be like if you had one of those key senses just gone and then you're swimming. Mm. Like, can you call out for help? Well, I mean, she could call out for help, but it's like she couldn't hear like, you know, and then you have to like sign, but then you're swimming. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm glad she can swim. I was kind of afraid at one point, but she could swim and he got the notebook and then they got out of the river. But the thing was that Yuzuru was still pissed, which under it's understandable. Yes, it, for sure. At this point, it's understandable. It was still pissed at Shoya. And so Yuzuru posted a photo of Shoya jumping into the river and Shoya gets suspended. Yes. Before he gets suspended, while he's walking through the sea of X'd out faces in the hallway, Shoya doesn't care about that for the first time. He has one person that he cares about say, see you again soon. Yeah. And he just continues to smile where he would normally be feeling weighed down by anxiety, guilt, depression. One friend truly made a world of difference to him just to say, see you again soon from Shoko the day before. Yeah, I think just having that acceptance impacted him because that's really what he's going for, you know? And so seeing that progress, it made him happy. So he wasn't noticing that all these people were paying attention to him. I mean, he normally doesn't notice it anyway because they have the exes and stuff, which this was like an aside, ice cream, you scream. I was just like, so y'all don't even talk to him on the daily, but y'all are just going to be like, oh, look, you're on social media. Right. Okay. Yeah. Snakes. Very snake-like behavior. But that's not float your boat. So, no, sorry. <laughs> <move on. laughs> no, it's my fault. That was my fault. I brought that up. So, event, so Shoya is suspended. And then I don't know. So I can tell if the legs that showed up, now that I'm thinking about it, if that was his mom. I think at the time I assumed that was his mom. But that actually could have been his sister asking him to go pick Maria up from school. Oh, no, that was his sister. Yeah, because I think the mom. No, the mom wasn't in the frame. Yeah. It's, they just never show the sister. I, I guess they didn't want to do one more character design. But the thing is, for me, I thought it was his mama. So I was just like, okay, well, you know, I mean, she does have her business. So I'm just like, okay. I really was not checking for his sister till the end. But regardless, so he goes to go get Maria and Maria is so cute. And she's playing in the playground with her little braids. <laughs> and she sees somebody in the, ooh, in the doohickey. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what to call it. The jungle gym? No, I don't. It's like sort of the jungle gym, but it's like the enclosed part of it. The playhouse? Oh God. I haven't been to a playground in a long time. I haven't been to a playground since I was playing on one. So. Right. <laughs> so I don't know what it's called, but they were in the enclosed part of the playground. So he goes up to check it out and then you see Yuzuru and Yuzuru is just sort of laying in there, doesn't have any shoes on. And then at that point, then Shoya realizes or finds out that Yuzuru was the one that put that photo out. And so Yuzuru is just like, well, are you mad? Shoya was just like, no. And I love that. Shoya's reaction to that was so calm. Like, he could have gotten so angry, but he didn't. I was, like, kind of surprised by that. Yeah, he has no qualms. He's so honest. He even said that he was happy that it was Yuzuru because he understood why. Right, and not just someone from school or something. Just randomly doing it. Yeah. And he was just automatically just okay with it. And I feel like that is a good lesson 
in forgiveness, or at least how you react to things that happen in your life. Because me, me personally, sometimes different things will be happening to me. And then it's just like, okay, I'm in a panic attack. Like, why does this thing have to happen? It's just one thing on top of a whole pile of things. And so I'm freaking out. But like, it's so much better to like have something happen. And even if it's bad or it's hurtful, just to let it roll off your back like that. I thought that was so cool of Shoya to like do. Yeah, I think I I know I mentioned this when we were talking about Maid-sama. It's moments like this from Shoya that make me look at myself and want to be better. And I just love those moments in an anime. Yeah, like I want to let things roll off of my back. Yeah. For me, it was more of a lesson of letting go of things. Yes. Like it's happened and I understand why. And now we're moving on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great lesson. Well, anyway, so Maria's hungry and so she wants to go home and Shoya leaves and then Yuzuru actually like passes out in that enclosed space. So I'm assuming that Shoya actually carries Yuzuru to his house. Oh. But I'm not sure. Oh, that's so cute. Yuzuru really passed out. Yeah. Which it's just like, how long have you been in there? But regardless, so they go to Shoya's house and Shoya's mom's like cooking and Yuzuru's like, she's not sure how to act in the situation because it's not like she fully accepts Shoya, but she's starting to understand understand him more and so just being in this like family setting is weird because like she probably grew up hating him or hating what he did to Shoko and like now she's in this space and she doesn't know what to do but they just make her comfortable and like Maria feeds her oh that's so cute oh oh my god precious it reminded me of like when my niece used to give me some of her like peanut butter crackers oh it's so cute oh that's adorable so I just got all of the feels. I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. And you know, Maria just disarms people. She's just so cute. Just so adorable. So amazing. And eventually they like all eat and I guess it's time for them to go to sleep, which I mean also at this point, you guys, Shoyo still doesn't know that Yuzuru is a girl. Yeah. But anyway, so Yuzuru just gets up and leaves in the middle of the night, maybe going back home. Who knows? Well, I mean, we do know later on, but at the time it seemed a little aimless. And then Shoya just shows up with the umbrella and she's like, hey, I was worried about you. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I already said that I love that about Shoya. It's just the fact Yuzuru passes out and he carries her to his house. Yuzuru like goes and leaves in the middle of the night. And rather than just being like, why did you leave or ignoring it? It's just like, oh, I'm concerned. I'm going to like follow you to make sure you're okay. Right. That's so thoughtful. Just so caring of him. Yeah. Like we know that he's reformed. But he just keeps showing over and over again just how much. Like, he's so not close to a bully anymore. Right. And honestly, I feel like that was just him being a product of his environment, you know? I mean, he certainly wasn't surrounding himself with kind-hearted people for the most part. The thing about it is that I, like, sort of wonder how it even started out. Because we see how, like, they turn on him and then they start bullying him and doing the things that he did to other people. But maybe, like, when you're at that age and you're making friends, you just want to fit in, right? You want to be 
cool. You want to be cool. You want to be close. You don't want to be different. I'm certain he must have seen them bully somebody else. And he just thought that's how it works. Right. Like that's so possible. I really truly think it has something to do with the influence of Ueno because right before he stands up to read and he mocks her voice, Ueno was just like frustrated by something about Shoko. And she kind of like sits back at her seat and crosses her arms and he looks at her for a second and then he starts reading in that voice. I think it was her kind of that propelled him. I'm not saying it excuses his actions in any way, shape or form. It doesn't. But I think that she might have been the catalyst for him to be like, I'm going to bully this girl. Right. Like, I think that if, like, let's say that Nagasuke went to the same school as them and he became friends with him first, he would have been friends with Shoko right off. Yeah. The whole story wouldn't have happened. Right. I think it's just him being a product of the people he surrounded himself with. That's what ended up being the foundation of him being that way to Shoko the way he was in the beginning. But seeing how he is with Shoko's sister, caring for her and just walking with her, it's such a valiant thing to do and the thing is he's just being himself he doesn't even know it right he doesn't have any inkling how good of a person he's become he has no idea yeah so moving on from that point because the mom's reaction was a banana split for me oh yeah yeah i do have something for the next day when uh yuzu goes to return the umbrella to shoya yeah so she goes up to him and she's returning the umbrella and Nagatsuka comes up and like throws an arm around her, calling her boy and stuff. And Shoyo quickly corrects him and says that Yuzuru is a girl. And Nagatsuka backs up all the way across the street in a split second. I thought that was <laughs> so funny. Amazing comic relief. He's just a brilliant character. He's also forever in Floats Your Boat. We love him. We love him. Yes, I love that scene so much. It made me laugh out loud. Me too. I think after that point, doesn't he? And I mean, I might be going forward a tad bit. Shoya gets a cell phone. Right. And so then he meets with Shoko and he's putting in the effort to ask if they could be text friends. So cute. It's really endearing. Right. And so he just asks her like if she has any other friends that she'd like to be text friends with. And so she remembers Sahara from when they were in elementary school. Mm Mm-hmm. And so because of that, the next day he talks to Kawhi, who was also technically part of that group that he was in in elementary school, although she was just more of a bystander, but she didn't really stop Shoko being bullied. But yeah. in any case, so he goes to Kawhi and asks her if she had Sahara's contact. She said no, but she knew what the school that she was going to because that's the same school that now Chan was going to, now goes going to. So he finds out where it is. He's at the station, but he's kind of hard on cash, which I forgot to mention this point. I guess this would technically be the banana split was the fact that uh, Shoya's mom ended up burning the money that he left her in preparation of his attempt. Yeah, that's really rough. Oh, a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot. And like he had also quit his job. He was hard up on cash. And so Nagasuka is just like, oh, here's the money you know, like going to a love hotel. I was just like, where is he yeah. going? <laughs> a love hotel. That killed 
be. That killed me when I saw it. I was just like, the escalation here. <laughs> right. But he's just a great, he's such a great wingman and a friend. But anyway, so he just lends him some money and then Shoko and Yuzuru show up. And then so Shoko and Shoya go to the school and they're like searching for Sahara. And they ended up just seeing her in passing. She recognizes Shoko first. So I got a little confused because when she was like saying it and I was reading the sub, she was saying Shochan, but then Shoya was also used to be called Shochan. Right. So I was just like, wait, who is she addressing? But then I finally got that she was talking to Shoko. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he's just like this conduit of like reunification. I think that's the right word for this. If not, it is now. Yeah, like brought them together and they're just like talking to each other and we learn, and this is a big part of my flow to your boat, that Sahara actually continued to learn sign language Yeah. after leaving the school, which is just so nice to see. Like, I mean, yes, Shoya can also use sign language and so can Yuzuru, but for her to have like a friend her age that can also do it, because a lot of the people at the sign language center are like older. Mm -hmm. I thought it was such a sweet touch. And then he wanted to give them space, especially when they started talking about boobs. He was right. like, uh, I don't <laughs> think I should hear this. So yeah. yeah, so I should leave. So he just comes up with an excuse and he starts to like go back home. The next thing, well, actually, do you have other floats your boat? Bring me to that cat cafe right now. It's called the Meow Meow Club. <laughs> it's so cute. I went to, okay, so I didn't go to a cat cafe, but when I went to Japan in 2017, I went to like a raccoon cafe. What? There's raccoon cafes? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, y'all, because I can tell like Gianna has positive feelings towards <laughs> Oh, no, but they're cute. They really we are. I don't know how to feel. Like, I just, like, I went with a friend at the time and she wanted to go to the cafe and I didn't want to be by myself because, like, I just have anxiety in general around crowds. And then it's like, you're in a whole, like, foreign country. Like, what? So I was just like, well, fine. Like, if you're going to go, I'm going to go because I'm not going to let you go by yourself. So we went and, like, they are cute. It's just, like, they're an afar animal for me. Like, they're cute in a way, but afar. But, like, <laughs> being at the cafe, like, that was, like, not my thing. We went to also, we went to an owl cafe, too. An owl cafe? Are there endless animal-themed cafes that I don't know about? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. They even have, they have them in Korea, too, like... Just all the animals. All of them. I really want to see the raccoon cafe. I'm sure I still have pictures from that trip. If I find any of the raccoon, I will send it to you. Please do. I'm certain I took a picture of it. Either from Japan or from when I was in Korea. Because I think we went to a, a raccoon cafe there as well. Which is... Anyway. <laughs> but I did think it was very cute. I would prefer... Me, I mean, I'm allergic. Oh. But I'm a cat lady. Oh. So it's like, I'm an allergic cat lady. So I would have been so much happier being at the Meow Meow Club than the raccoon one. But in any case, I thought it was cute as well. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're getting to Shoko's ponytail. Oh, 
Yeah. And this is post Ueno Nauka catching wind of the fact that Shoya and Shoko are like actually close friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to one another and Shoko couldn't hear what was being said. So, well, yeah, they weren't signing either, which is what I meant. So she had asked him like what was going on and he was just like, oh, nothing happened. And then they like said bye. And then she just suddenly woke up, put her hair in a ponytail at this courage. And she was like talking more. So she woke up Yuzuru and Yuzuru like saw what was going on. He's like, oh, a ponytail. Like, what does this mean? And so then she told, well, she, I don't think she told, she didn't tell Shoya that Shoko had a ponytail in, but she was just like, oh, go do something to make it so that they could end up meeting each other at the bridge. So they go to the bridge and oh my gosh, like Shoko has titanium balls. Okay. Right. She went from zero to 100, like in her, not her confidence, but in her effort to confess to Shoya. Oh my God. It was beautiful. She was comfortable, like putting her hair in a ponytail. I guess she normally kept it down so that people can see her hearing aids. But, you know, Shoya's already signing with her. So she's comfortable like that he knows that she has her hearing aid and that he'd actually try to protect her hearing aids now and not take them out anymore. She has her ponytail. She's trying to talk more and he's telling her to like sign, which I mean, you know, like I said, Shoya is honest. So he did say it was a little weird to hear her voice. And so she was a little discouraged, but that did not stop our girl. She was just like, I'm going to say it. And so she goes and she just holding her skirt is just nervous. And she just said, well, first she gives him a gift. I don't know what they are. They're like little pot decorators for your plants. So like if you have your plant in a pot and then you could like stick the thing in and then it's like a little, little bear, a little cat sticking in there with your plants, a little decoration. Okay. See, I thought it was like something to do with the bike, but that doesn't make sense. In the end, he sees them stuck in with the plants outside his house when he was in the coma. His mom put them outside with the plants. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. She gave him a gift. Anyway, let me not react to the thing that we're talking about. (laughs) So gives him a gift and then he like thanks her and then she just tells him like, I love you. Well, she tries. She tries. She doesn't sign it, y'all. She says it. And I feel like at that moment, it was so important to her that she said it in a way that he would normally hear it. Yeah. Rather than her signing it, that that's really what was like the impetus for her to do it that way instead of her just signing what she was saying. I know. I'll be honest for like, it's in my ice cream, you scream because my heart broke in half. The key is S-U-K-I and that's like, like I like you. And ski is T-S-U-K-I, which means the moon. And so all he was hearing was her saying the moon and he couldn't make any sense of it. Oh my god. Right. Um. I don't want to, I'll I'll go into like my ice cream you scream about that misunderstanding when we get there, but oh my heart. And then she left and everything and she was upset and I like fully got it. But my floats your boat was just the fact that she just put so much effort into it and she really put herself out there. She did. And I was so proud of Shoko for like doing that. Yeah. Yuzuru. So Yuzuru's sort of reaction, I like because Yuzuru is friends with Shoko now. I like that she sort of becomes like this guide slash Cupid for the both of them. Yeah. And like bringing them together and stuff. And like he like talks about how she Shoko's avoiding him. 
And so he explains what happened and she laughs because she finally understood like what went down. Yeah. And also like floats your boat for sisterhood because instead of just telling him that she was saying that she liked him, she just told him you should ask her out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, he just took that as like, oh yeah, you know, as friends. Yeah. But user totally meant it in like the other way, but it's fine. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I loved that. That was a cute moment. Yeah. Yes. I have at the amusement park, there's an X now over Ueno's face. And I feel like for the first time, we get a sense that this X is like so fully within Shoya's power. He controlled the narrative. Yeah. And he cut her out because of the way she treated Shoko. It's not an X because this person might not accept him. It's because he doesn't accept her. And I feel like it's a huge step for him to realize that he is allowed to dislike someone for their actions, even if he hasn't fully forgiven himself for his own. Yeah, because he is just in the process of redeeming himself. And so at the theme park, part of his reaction to Ueno taking him to go get Takoyaki and then seeing Shimada again, and obviously they're both not happy about it. Yeah. And he was just like, no, like it's not good. And then he stopped and paused and he was like, I was like that before. So he was questioning himself in that he's trying to redeem himself. Is it right for him to not give that space to Shimada when he's so desperately trying to get to that space with Shoko. Mm -hmm. But like you said, I think that it's fine that, you know, like if they aren't cool, they just aren't cool. And Una was just forcing. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess what I would say about the theme park scene is just seeing him learn more about himself. That would be a float to your boat for me. Yeah. And also... Nagatsuka just getting jealous when people get too close to Shoya. Yes. He absolutely cherishes him. It's so cute. Oh my gosh, that reminded me of when I was like little and I had my childhood friend and she was friend with like another girl on the street and I was just like, but we're friends because we had the same birthday. I was just like a year older. I was like, we're birthday twins. Like nothing can separate us and everything. And this other girl, like she's whatever. Like, you know, (laughs) so I totally got it. I was just like, oh, that's how that came across. Okay. But it was very cute. Yeah. So there's this point when he's going to meet Shoko and he has the bread in his hand and he's practicing what he's going to say to her. He wants to say something like, this bread is good, just like you, which I feel like is the equivalent of how good I am at flirting too. It's like, <laughs> y- you like dinner, right? I-, I can do dinner. I could I can make a dinner. Do you want a dinner? Like, <laughs> I just, I felt like I related to that so much. You know, I think that that's nice. I feel, or maybe in more recent years, I haven't been as wholesome when it comes to me liking people. <laughs> I'm so weird, y'all. If I like somebody, and maybe that's just like, isn't it nihilism when you're just like lax about death but maybe that's like the partial nihilist that's been left over in me from past experiences but I'm just like oh my gosh I like this person crush me no (laughs) like crush me it's like I have a crush literally crush me with a rock like crush me (laughs) make it end there's this tiktok of this man who like literally cracks watermelon with his thighs what yes and I'm just like me me next (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> but not for real. But like, I don't know why when I like people, like, I think in weird extreme 
things like that. But yeah, I feel like in the initial phase, before I get to that whole like destroy me part of the liking phase for me, I also think that it's just like, oh, like you want to do this? We can do this. And I think it's very endearing when you see people say stuff like that. So I'm sure that if you said something to someone you like, Gianna, in that way, they would just be like, oh, that's so cute. She also likes me. Oh, I would hope so. But yeah, <laughs> we're getting towards the end. I don't have as much floats your boat. I probably would have had more. But um, like I said, at the start of this episode, I was really just reacting to what was going on towards the latter half of the film and not writing as much. But there's a scene with Yuzu and her grandma in the kitchen. Mm. And at the time, Yuzu's like sort of doubting herself. And the grandma is so sweet and wholesome and just like, oh, I have the best grandchildren. You're fine. Yeah. User is like insecure about, you know, school and having not been for a while. And like, she's just like, but you're still a great kid. And she's just so understanding about it. And I think that just seeing their interaction with the grandma, um, not as much the mom, I would say the grandma. I think that it was just good to see like when you are depressed or you're going through something and just having a family member see the best of you. Even when you're talking about what you're down about or what you're concerned about and like they just 100% believe in you. Like that's so necessary, especially when you are so used to doubting yourself and not seeing the good in you. And so when you have a family member reaffirm that it's so important and it was a really touching scene yeah yeah it really was I feel like you really just kind of hit the nail on the head with that having somebody in your inner circle whether it be blood family or found family having somebody to lean on and build you up when you're not sure is vital, truly. Yeah, because like they know you. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. I think especially in the grandmother's regard, you know, like she's seen them from birth. She knows them. So she knows inherently that they aren't bad or that at least in Yuzuru's case that her not going to school, it's not as if she's a bad child because she's not currently in school at the time. Yeah. So then, unfortunately, it's just, it was partially Rocky Road, but then floats your boat. Uh, Shoya ends up seeing Yuzuru, although Yuzuru is crying. And then he just decides to walk Yuzuru to wherever it is that she's going. He doesn't know. He's just like, I'm just going to walk with you. Mm-hmm. And just make sure you're all right, you know. Shoya is so dependable. Yeah. And then she's just like, oh, okay, like we've made it. And that's when he realizes that they're at like a funeral home. Mm-hmm. And so he just tells her, he's just like, you know what, good luck. Which I think that that was really powerful because Yuzuru needed that because funerals in general are like so heavy. And then I just think especially because of the fact like, well, we just had like this interaction with the grandma of like her just fully understanding them and praising her grandchildren. And she was always around like that's not to say that she wasn't within like the movie and stuff. You see her at different times. Um, That was just the most poignant part. But you see her and then she's like just gone. Mm-hmm. And having somebody encourage you in that moment because you have to face the facts that this person that loved you unconditionally is no longer around and you have to kind of go on with life without them and like facing that 
I thought it was so great of Shoya to just tell her like, good luck. And then because he said that, then she ended up coming back and just talking about how she was scared. Yeah. And just seeing their bond deepen even more in that moment, I thought that was great. Oh my gosh, me too. It really shows how close they have grown over the course of the story. And I really think that Yuzuru, especially at this time, is starting to see Shoya as a big brother in her life. Yeah. Like she can just fully depend on him and she is just as invested in Shoko being happy as Shoya is and so they can like commiserate with that. She's someone that she can trust. And I feel like, I mean, based off of what we see, because she wasn't going to school, it just felt as if she didn't really have friends for real mm-hmm. until Shoya came around. Yeah. So it was just good that she could depend on him in that moment. Absolutely. So there's music playing during the funeral sequence that follows that beautiful scene with Yuzuru and Shoya. And that music is kind of uncomfortable. It's both beautiful and uncomfortable with the audio tearing and the crackling over this luscious, soft music, just like the stunning visuals we're seeing juxtaposed with the bleakness of the circumstances. I just thought it was so flawlessly done. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I think at that time I was just experiencing all of this different stuff. And so... right. Right. But the music, like you said, it was telling of what was going on. And like, you could just see like when people were crying. So then Yuzuru like giving her mom space to cry and then like saying goodbye to, I guess, the other like people that attended the funeral and like all of the feelings within that. The score really encompassed that very well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. My next points are basically the end of the film. (laughs) So... I do have something during the fireworks display. Okay. So during the fireworks display, Shoya asks and finds out that Shoko's birthday was on June 7th, which already passed. He offers to celebrate it with her next year in quotes together, but he's embarrassed that he said together, which is so cute on its own. It's so nice to see that being her friend has become more and more natural to him, that he could assume that they would be able to celebrate something together in the future. And what's best about that statement is that Shoya looked ahead an entire year and was able to envision still being alive to celebrate her birthday. If it wasn't already clear at this point in the film, Shoya is no longer suicidal at this point. And I mean, God, that makes what happens next even more heart shattering. But we'll get to that in Rocky Road. Oh my gosh. Like you described it so well that it's like, I started crying again, but... (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm like, I got my tissues. Oh. So things happen, y'all. We're going to get to that in another segment. Right. And so I'm getting to... uh, While Shoya is in a coma, Shoko goes to the different friends that they had and explained what happened because she felt really guilty about the fact that Shoya was in a coma because of her actions. And she wanted him to have friends that were surrounding him and she could tell like during the summer once like things got broken up she could tell that he was feeling that loneliness and so he was just making himself all the more present with her and Yuzuru and so for her to give that to him I felt that the story became like full circle because at the beginning that's what Shoya was trying to do for Shoko oh that's right 
to give her a fuller life, to give her friends that she can like depend on to make her happier. And when he thought he lost it, then she wanted to give the same thing back to him so that when he woke up, he knew he had people. Oh, yeah. She's so pure hearted. So pure hearted. And y'all, I was crying buckets. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, me too. It gets to like that point in the film, you know, the fireworks. And then I'd pretty much just cry for the rest of the entirety of the film. Yeah, I was a mess. But thankfully, Shoya does wake up from his coma. Yes, which is in my rocky road. Uh, (laughs) In my rocky road. I have a long thing in my rocky road about all that. (laughs) He apologizes again. He asks her, this is in my rocky road, but it's just like, I just wanted to get to this so that we could get to another part of my float your boat. Because like I said, it's the end. Okay. Is just asking that they could live, Mm -hmm. that she could help him live. Mm -hmm. Floats your boat. I don't know if there's like, anything like flipping higher if we ever create a higher segment that's in there so meaningful so beautiful yeah heartfelt all of the feels I love that scene yes I will elaborate my part on that when we get there in Rocky Road yeah and then it's time I guess for his school festival he's out of his coma he's going back to school and since it's a festival that means that people that aren't at that school can attend and so Shoko comes to support him yeah going back Back to school for the first time. And so he sees the people seeing him and he hears what they're saying and he's just nervous and embarrassed and doesn't really know how to feel. And so he explains to her like how he doesn't see people. Yeah. And how he looks down and she reassures him that it's okay. Oh, I cried. That he does that. And it's like the whole time, like he's just been on his own and like he was able to articulate that to someone and know that it was okay. She just wants to make him comfortable and look after him. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And so then he gets to his class and he opens the door and everybody looks at him. And this time, I feel like the people in his class were actually a lot more sympathetic. But since he already heard that noise and like people were assuming that he was trying to hurt himself, even though he was saving Shoko or whatever. But since the people like noticed that it was him and they all like had feelings or stuff to say, he closed the door like he wasn't ready he felt super anxious and he just went to the bathroom but Nagasuka comes and Shoko tells him what Shoya says and Nagasuka like the MVP truly the friend literally is just like oh does your stomach hurt which you know like if his stomach was really hurting do you know, like, that's a real friend because what if he had bubble guts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to make y'all laugh because I'm not trying to cry. What if he had bubble guts and he was just like stanking up that bathroom? But he wasn't. <laughs> he didn't. He was there and he was just like, I'm so glad that you're okay. And he hugged him. The ex was gone. Yeah. I mean, like, he had like snotty tears and all. He had no shame to express pure love to his best friend. Yeah. He was so happy that he was okay and that he could hug him again. Yeah. I mean, and he grew his mustache. He grew his mustache out for good luck while he was in a coma so that he would wake up. Oh my God, I love this kid. I love him so much. I was crying. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the best friend like ever. Like, what? okay. Yeah. And I think outside of having Shoko reaffirming his relationship with Nagasuka helped him ease that anxiety again. Oh, yeah. 
For sure. Because he felt like an outsider. So all of a sudden the exes were bothering him again. And he's just like, oh, I have this friend that understands me. So they get out of the bathroom and then the rest of the group is there. He's still sort of like looking down and they give him like the good luck cranes that they made while he was in a coma. Oh, Kawhi and Mashiba. Yeah. 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 Kawhi Mashiba. I was like, oh, made him crane so that was like part of my floats here but I was just like wow like yeah it was so sweet and you just like it's so satisfying to see everybody come back together at the end yeah to come back together and to care about Shoya and to want to reassure him you know that they're still friends that you know what happened on the that didn't even matter yeah that they're so happy that he's okay and I just I loved I loved the cranes I mean I loved all of it. I loved all of it. And I love it all. Oh, truly. I actually have a couple quick one sentence things that happened right before the festival. Okay. When Shoya shows back up at home, Maria is so excited to see Shoya oh come, quote, back to life. Oh, my God. Oh, Because she was crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, my baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, when he goes in and he sees Shoko's mom getting her hair cut by his mom, it, like, seemed like they might be becoming friends despite everything, which makes it even more powerful. I love that because I felt that at that time, I think that especially after the mom's birthday, that she was slowly, slowly coming around. Um, Then post him, like, getting hurt and everything. And she, like, is begging for forgiveness. I feel like at that moment, she, like, understood Shoya's mom and, like, where she was coming from when Shoya was bullying Shoko in the beginning. Beginning and what it took for her to apologize. And although this one is way, I mean, that was terrible, but this was way more serious. And you see the way that his mom is. That's how you know that the fact that Shoya bullied Shoko was just a product of the people he was around and not of who was parenting him. Because the way that Shoya is now, it's very much so resembles his mom and how she's so accepting and kind. But yeah, so like seeing them become friends, I thought that that was like great because they're not, they're going to be a part of each other's lives. So it's like y'all should just get friendly now like yeah at this point and oh yeah sorry I'm like here I am like taking I do not mean to dominate guys I'm working on it I will be a better podcaster oh, oh my god no you're fine it was really just that and that Yuzu's photography got published yes in a little magazine it looked like and that she just wants to study with Shoya it just further solidifies their brother-sister relationship and that was so cute but that's all I had that's actually all of my floats your boat for a silent voice. Okay, my last one. It's probably in my Rocky Road, whatever you're about to say. Right, is in my Rocky Road. It's like dual. It was part of both of them. I could not have it. Was the end when he's crying. Yes, oh my God. And he realizes like he has all of these loved ones that care about him and he's having this great time and he's ready to accept that and he finally feels redeemed and all of the exes on all of these people's faces, they all like drop at the same time. I was sobbing. Oh, me too. That was the perfect ending. I was so happy that he finally at that moment he asked Shoko for forgiveness at the bridge, but he finally forgave himself in that moment. Right. 
Right. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, Yeah. Watching all of the exes fall down at the festival, it made me think of when he's, you know, reaching for Shoko in the climax of the story and he's doing that quick prayer. And I'll, I'll touch on that when we do Rocky Road. In this moment when the exes fall down, I think about the fact that he's living up to his word and he's looking people in the eye now and he can feel stronger for it. He looks around. He's surrounded by love. He has the strength to tackle life and the interactions with people that scare him. He cries in spite of himself, tears for joy, tears for life. And the light at the end of the tunnel inches nearer and nearer until he realizes he's standing in it with Shoko and his friends and his family. And I'm crying on the podcast. I can't. I can't do it. I'm just, it was so, it's like, y'all, like, I'm telling you, full on sobbing. It was so beautiful to just see him finally accept himself, forgive himself, and then see life in like full color, see people for who they are and not just as exes being able to like look up now to have the courage to look people in the eye again. Yeah. Just fantastic. Truly a masterpiece of cinema. Yes, it was. Well, Shoujo fans, we know that we just got through Floats Your Boat and our soft serve summary of A Silent Voice, but we have so much to say about this amazing film that this is going to be a multi-parter. So we are going to get back at you in episode 12 of Shoujo Sunday, part two of A Silent Voice, and we are going to talk about more of the things that we saw and what we felt. This is an amazing film. I absolutely recommend it to everyone. In any case, please rate our podcast five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It will help us so, so, so much. Also, follow us across all of the social medias. We are at Shoujo Sunday everywhere. I am Chica Supreme, Chica with a K, and I am Chica Supreme across all social media. Gianna. So you can follow me at Gianna underscore Luna underscore, and that's Gianna with one N. Please send me your favorite Koe no Kitachi gifts because I want I want to see them. I love this movie to bits and pieces. To bits and pieces, okay? We are crying. You are with us. Yeah, we're all crying. <laughs> we should get sponsored by Kleenex. Oh my God, or Puffs. Like. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. But yeah, we'll see you guys next time. So... Bye. Bye.